today with Joe Nash on Live 95. We were talking at the start of the show to Limerick Independent TD Richard O'Donoghue expressing extreme concern about the situation at the emergency department at University Hospital Limerick and Professor Brian Lenehan is the Chief Clinical Director with the UL Hospitals Group and he is on the line right now. Uh, Good morning uh, to you and uh, I'm saying Happy New Year but it certainly doesn't sound as though it is the case uh, right now for you, uh, Brian. Um, But uh, tell me what the position is right now uh, a major internal incident declared yesterday by the management there uh, good morning joe yes yesterday we declared a major internal incident due to the persistent level of um, overcrowding in the emergency department um, due to really sustained high volume of attendances patients with high acuity of illness requiring admission to the hospital um, so we activated our major internal emergency plan, which saw additional ED consultants on the floor, um, additional nurses, additional consultant surgeons and physicians, and indeed significant additional you know, management and admin support um, to the site to, the site, um, to ensure patient um, flow um, commenced and to improve the I suppose, patient safety profile um, in the ED. So it was all hands to the pump um, yesterday to try and decompress a a very difficult situation in our ED. Right, and in the official statement yesterday, the hospital is advising anyone presenting to the ED with a less urgent condition that you will face an exceptionally long wait for care, and that's in the context of relatively long waits, as we know there in any case in recent months, and are urging the public to consider all available healthcare alternatives to the ED. So give us some numbers then. I mean, how many patients are waiting in the ADED this morning, how many are on trolleys, how long are patients waiting at the minute? So in the ED, as of right now, there's 121 patients in the department and there's 59 patients awaiting a bed um, in the ED. Um, There's patients um, awaiting review by ED doctors, there's patients awaiting review by specialist doctors as there would be um, every day. So our focus is on those that are sickest, trying to see them first, make a decision whether they need referral or admission, trying to then have them seen by their specialist um, with a view to commencing their treatment and then trying to get them off a trolley into an appropriate bed. Obviously, patients who come in you know, following a, a, a heart attack, they would be streamed directly to the cat lab where, where appropriate, those that are critically unwell straight to resource, resource and indeed ICU or HDU if necessary after that. So the exceedingly long waits you refer to are patients um, who, you know, who don't need immediate care but are sick enough to be in our ED department. So we have a system in place where there is a nurse who's assigned to the waiting room to have eyes on the waiting room to ensure that patients who have been triaged, they're sitting in the waiting room awaiting to be assessed, that they are being observed on an ongoing basis. What about rumours of up to three days' wait? Up to three days' wait for an inpatient bed, not up to three days' wait to be seen. And explain the key difference there. So so if if I was to go to the ED department now with a less urgent problem, 
Okay, so something that they, I couldn't get access to my GP or my pharmacist wasn't in a position to treat me. And I'm, I'm triaged as I, I need to be seen. You know, I will likely wait eight to ten hours to be seen for that you know, non-urgent problem. Then I would be seen by one of the ED doctors, be that a consultant or a non-hospital um, a non-consultant hospital doctor, a decision then made whether I can be discharged, whether I need further observation, or whether I need to be referred to the medical medical team. So then I would, be ref- I would have my primary investigations done, then be referred to the medical team, and then one of the medical team would assess whether I need to be admitted or not. So there is a, you know, the, the, that would be the triage system and the treatment system that would, would exist in all of our emergency departments across the country. But when, when you have the volume that are attending, and that volume exceeds your capacity to deal with them in a timely manner, that's where, that's where the risk develops. Joe. Okay, but there are some patients, what, waiting in the waiting room, sitting on a chair for up to three days? No, there's nobody sitting in the waiting room on a chair for up to three days. So the, re- reference, the reference to patients been waiting three days, that may well be a, pa- that's a patient who has been seen and a decision has been made that they need to be admitted and they have a, it's an unsustainable long wait on a trolley or a bed in the ED waiting for a traditional bed on the ward. There's no patient waiting three, de- three days to be seen by a doctor. Right. Um, you mentioned 121 um, waiting. Uh, no, no, there's 121 patients in the department. Right. Okay, so a lot of those patients are... So we have different zones. We have zone A, B, C, resus, and paediatrics. So we will have... And all of our zones are full, either of patients who are being seen by a doctor, seen by an ED doctor, or, adwa- or awaiting admission on a trolley, be that in a cubicle around the corridor. And um, how would that compare 121 to any other point in the year? So 121 patients in the department isn't, uh, isn't unexpected. Yesterday, there were more than that in the department. There were 170 patients in the department when I came into work yesterday morning. That was unsustainable. The apartment was very overcrowded. The waiting room was overcrowded. And that is why we triggered the major internal incident protocol. Mm. And what has happened in the intervening 24 hours? You know, has the situation measurably improved? So it has started to improve, but this is something that's going to take a number of days to work through. So when we describe a major incident, a major incident is, is, is called when we do not have the resources available to us at the time to deal with the volume of patients who have presented, and we have to act to control that situation. So that is why additional ED consultants are on the floor, additional nurses, additional consultant physicians and surgeons, and again, additional clerical admin and management in to try and expedite decompressing the ED. Right. Additional surge beds opened in Ennis, Nina and St. John's Hospital, uh, converting day beds in UHL to inpatient beds, converting a ward in Croom Hospital uh, for medical patients, um, that's being done as part of this response. But the obvious question is, why can't it be done at other times of the year? So it is done at other times of the year um, when it is required. So we have surge open in UHL um, 
most of the time, so we use our surgical day ward, we use our short stay surgical unit, we have ward trolleys, and then the other capacity that is available to us, once Ennis, Nina and St John's inpatient beds are full, the only other actual physical structure there is to put a bed in is the day ward in Ennis, the day ward in Nina, John's, and indeed if there's a vacant bed in Croom, which is an elective hospital, we can use that bed for a medical patient, as we did during COVID. So at the moment, we have patients in the day ward in Ennis, Nina, John's, and we have medical patients being transferred to Croom because we have essentially maximised the surge capacity on the University Hospital Limerick site in Dora Doyle. Right, we're chatting to Professor Brian Lennon, Chief Clinical Director of the UL Hospitals Group, a major internal incident uh, declared. Just one example, and maybe you can't talk about the specifics, but in general, listener says they were in the hospitals A&E just before Christmas. There were no masks available to people, uh, a jam-packed place full of RSV and COVID, etc., and the windows in the paediatric A&E wouldn't open. When you opened them, they'd close back in. They wouldn't stay pushed open. It just fell back in. And this concerned listener uh, knows as they tried to to open them given the crowds all the windows were closed even though latches were open so i don't know the specifics of the window but there are masks an ample number of masks available um in, in the ed um to both patients and visitors and we have our, our patients and family members who attend with them so they they are there on trolleys available to all patients and all staff and they're easily visible and they're easily visible okay um, we had Richard O'Donoghue with us in um, the first hour of the show and among other things he, and is isn't the first time he's called for this, he called for the senior management to step down. What's your response to that? So I don't have a response to, to the deputy on that. The senior management team in University Hospital Limerick work tirelessly. Um, to address the situation here, work tirelessly with the acute hospitals division and indeed with the HSE and the Department of Health to try and expedite the care of our patients, to try and get approval for additional bed capacity, to get approval for additional NCHDs, consultants, allied healthcare professionals. This problem is not unique to University Hospital Limerick. It's a problem that we see in emergency departments all over the country. And indeed, it's a problem that we see in the UK, who are currently in a worse position than we are here. So it's not just unique to University Hospital Limerick. So are you saying then that it's not considerably worse at UHL and has been for an extended period of time? So the, the sustained high attendances are considerably worse at University Hospital Limerick than um, other regions. But similar patient experiences and similar ED overcrowding exists elsewhere. We just we have a particular um, bed capacity issue, which we've spoken about many times, Joe. When you do not have enough beds to put your patients into, you can't deal with the volume of patients that are attending the emergency department, particularly when those patients are sick patients. Right, but as you well know, though, you know, this is just listeners um, trying to grasp this, that there have been extra beds put in. There is a new emergency department. Well, there have, and the emergency department was built in, was opened in 2017. The planned capacity at that stage was for 190 attendances per day. We have seen up to 290 attendances a day. Um, and we have seen sustained attendances over 250 
a day. And that does not include the volume of patients that are seen in our local injuries units in Ennis, Nina and St. John's and the volume of patients that are seen in our medical assessment units in Ennis, Nina and St. John's. There was just short of 80,000 patients attended our emergency department here in University Hospital Limerick last year. That is the highest number of any emergency department anywhere in the country, Joe. Right. The Minister for Health, Steve and Donnelly, and he sent in a team. Um, has that team made a difference? Is it having any impact at the moment, for example? So that team we are still in close contact with. They were down with us before Christmas. We continue to implement the work streams that um, we developed in collaboration with them and the Acute Hospitals Division and the PMIU, the, the Performance Management Improvement Unit, or the team you refer to, they continue to assist us in our endeavours to improve patient care um, in the hospital, and particularly in the overcrowded ED department. And, but and is there any evidence that right now the situation would be even worse if it weren't for that? Well, we have more, we have more of a focus and more staff whose focus is on patient flow. We have more, more NCHDs commencing in our emergency department um, next week, and that was an output from our work that we did That's with non-consultant the hospital doctors. Non- non-consultant hospital doctors. We have approval for additional ED consultants. So all of these take some time to bed in because you have to recruit, but all of these were outputs from that that collaborative work we did with the HSE support team. Now, the INMO have made the point that mid-summer they were predicting this and that the situation that you're in at the moment was absolutely predictable and more should have been done in advance of it. So, yes, um, predictions were made and we acted upon those predictions, Joe. There is no elective surgery in the hospital group this week. So there are no patients being admitted for planned surgery. So that is something we do for the first two weeks in January every year because every year we anticipate a surge. It is unfortunate at the moment that we have a surge in three viruses. We, have, we still have COVID, we have two different variants of flu that are circulating and we have RSV. Of the 56 patients that were admitted on Sunday night um, medically, over 50% of them had either flu or COVID. So you have... You know, in previous years, we did not have flu in 2021 or 2020. 15% of the population contract flu. So that's an additional volume of patients that weren't presenting. There was multiple models developed by the HSE. There were multiple meetings in early and late December, nationally and both locally, to prepare for this surge. So we have we've prepared as best we can. We're utilising all of the surge capacity we have. We have curtailed routine outpatient appointments. We continue to deliver a number of outpatient appointments where they would be seen as very important and they would avoid a patient attending the ED requiring admission. And we well, that explains one all our thing too. potentially because I, I, we had a listener on who said that they were out at an outpatient appointment today even though we were told they were cancelled. Yeah, so, so all non-urgent or ED avoidance appointments. So if you have somebody who is receiving a weekly infusion for treatment of a particular condition, you know, if you don't, if they don't receive that, you know, infusion, there's a possibility that their disease 
could progress and they could need to go to the emergency department. So we have continued the service that, services that we consider critically important to patients mm-hmm. that otherwise, if they didn't have that appointment, I, they would need medical assistance. Okay. We're uh, trying to Professor Brian Lennon, Chief Clinical Director of the UL Hospitals Group. So what happens uh, at the moment with those patients who present with COVID? So those patients that present with COVID, if they are um, sick enough that they require admission, they're admitted. We use our particular zones for different categories of patients. Zone A is kind of our ambulatory zones where where the walking wounded and the patients who don't have a communicable or an infective disease are seen. And then zone Bs and Cs are the patients where our respiratory illnesses, etc. We isolate and cohort as best we can anybody that is known to have flu are known to have COVID. We have point of care testing in the ED. We have laboratory staff. We have a rapid turnaround of testing. So we try and prevent cross-transmission. And that's difficult to do when you have overcrowding. But we make every effort and we work with our infection prevention control team and our microbiology team on that on a, on a minute-to-minute basis. Are patient outcomes inevitably worse in this situation? It's, 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 and I've heard a lot of people speak on this, Joe, and it is difficult, it's difficult to say categorically. The patient experience is certainly worse. Or the key for us is to try and identify the sickest patients and treat them in the most timely fashion we can. If somebody comes in and they need to go direct to resus, they go direct to resus. If they need ICU, HDU, if they've had a, had a heart attack, etc. But, you know, it's, you, couldn't, you couldn't consider it good care when patients have to wait a prolonged period of time. But we, we have to try and do and it's difficult, is to prioritise those that need care first. So if you're sitting in the waiting room and you see a patient who hasn't been waiting as long as you, it's likely because they're considered more urgent. Or you see somebody coming in by ambulance and they go straight in the door. That's not because we don't care about the patients in the waiting room. That's because that patient has been identified as being more critical or more urgent. It's not the care we want to deliver. But it's, it's, it's the only care we can deliver at the moment, given the high volume of attendances right. and the high burden of illness and acuity that's out there. Right. Um, our understanding is, for example, that Shannon Dock have been extremely busy over the festive period. GPs have been extremely busy, you know, and you and others are, are pointing in that direction if people feel they can go there rather than go to ED. It just feels as though there's massive strain at the moment. How much longer do you think it'll be before you can stand down this major internal incident? So, so the, whole, the whole of the health service is under pressure. We're working um, very closely with our colleagues in the community, the community health organisation, and making sure we can access um, community beds, rehab beds, nursing home beds, etc. So the community are under an awful lot of pressure, as you said, GP, Shenandoah, all of the out-of-hour service. A major incident normally would the protocol will be activated for 48 to 72 hours. But we will continue to work as both the senior management team, senior clinicians, the clinical directorates, to, to try and decompress the ED so it is a safer and a more sustainable place for our patients to receive timely care. Okay, and just before I ask you to, for your direct message to listeners um, this morning... You know, is there any prospect, you think, over the next 12 months of getting to a point where we won't be having precisely the same conversation 
uh, on this day next year? I, I, I Joe, I, I hope so. I, I think um, flu has added to the significant burden we had, and no one was exposed to flu in in 2020 and 21 because it just wasn't circulating um, in the environment. Um, I implore patients that are appropriate to have their flu vaccine and their COVID vaccine, it's still available to take it. And for patients, when they're offered a booster and they're offered their flu vaccine next year, to take it. The more patients that are vaccinated, the fewer patients that will get sick and require ED attendances. But I would also say to patients, we, we say it repeatedly, consider all of your healthcare options, your GP, the out-of-hour service pharmacies, the local injuries units for your more minor musculoskeletal injuries, your lacerations, your, your sprains, your cuts. Um, but if someone is sick, and if someone requires urgent care, the emergency department is still open, despite the fact that it is overcrowded. And patients that need the emergency department should attend the emergency department, but they should consider whether or not they require the emergency department. Okay. Uh, and finally then, uh, your message to worried listeners and indeed to the staff that you have doing what they can in there. We have a fabulous staff, Joe. We have staff that put their hands up to help. How can I help? Where can I work? How can I best help in this situation? Our staff have worked tireless, tirelessly over the last two and a half, up, coming on three years between COVID and now where, where we are. So I thank our staff for all of their hard work. All I can say is that as a senior as a member of the senior management team, and as indeed as a doctor who works in the hospital, we are working tirelessly to try and improve the situation. There's no lack of effort on our part. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.